the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Through the grace of God, we will study tonight chapter 11 from the second letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Let me first give you a summary to the chapter and then we will study it verse by verse. St. Paul in this chapter continues to defend his apostolic authority because some false teachers were casting doubt on his apostleship since he did not see the Lord Jesus Christ in the flesh and he was not one of the twelve or one of the seventy-two. But St. Paul is explaining that the reason behind defending his authority not to defend himself but because he is concerned for their faithfulness to Christ and he's concerned that the false teachers may corrupt the mind of the Corinthians that's why he is defending his apostleship not to defend himself, but to protect their faith and their faithfulness to Christ. One of the accusation that the false teachers used against St. Paul, that St. Paul did not receive support, did not accept monetary support from the church at Corinth and they told them if he loved you he would accept your gift but he did not accept your financial support because he did not love you that's why St. Paul found himself have to explain why he did not accept any financial support from them also, St. Paul knows very well that to boast or to praise himself, it is foolishness. That's why, although he did not desire to boast and to act foolishly, but he found himself compelled to boast since the Corinthians are willing to accept such posting as they accepted from the false teachers. So St. Paul told them, let me just act as foolish and put up with my foolishness so I may boast a little bit. And again, the reason behind his boasting not to defend himself, but to protect their faith in Christ. And first, he claimed equality with the false teachers pertaining to the physical heritage. Because he was a Hebrew, he was Israelite, he was from the children of Abraham. So, if these false teachers 
were boasting because they were Hebrew or Israelite or the descendant of Abraham, St. Paul said, I am equal. I am Israelite from the tribe of Benjamin. But when it comes to the service as an apostle or as a minister of Christ, I am much better. My service far surpassed them as it is evident from the things that he suffered. And he explained in detail what did he suffer for Christ. And he concluded this chapter with a very, very humble statement. After he boasted by his suffering, he told them, you know what, if I need to boast, or if I must boast, actually, I should boast with things pertaining to my infirmity, to my weakness, not to my achievement or not to my endurance and my suffering. And he told them about the story of his escape from Damascus. As a sign of his weakness, he fled and escaped from the governor, lest he arrest him. So this is the summary of chapter 11, and now let us read it verse by verse. Verse 1. Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly, and indeed you do bear with me. As I said, the criticism by the false teachers made it necessary for St. Paul to defend himself. But St. Paul, who learned self-denial, St. Paul, who forgot himself completely for the sake of Christ and consecrated himself to God, when he defended himself and when he boasted, he did this with a sense of shame. That's why he told them, oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly. So he is apologizing for doing so, but he felt compelled to defend himself. As if he is saying to them, I wish you to bear with me further while I enter at large into self-commendation. That's why he told them, and indeed you do bear with me. Bear with me. If you consider it foolishness, that's okay, bear with me. I want to defend myself to protect your faith, as he will explain. Verse 2. Why I want to defend myself? The reason, for I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. St. Paul told them, what is the purpose of my ministry? My own glory? Never. The purpose of my ministry is to bring you with Christ to Christ. 
unites you with Christ. Christ is the bridegroom, and you are his bride. So when I baptized you, actually, I betrothed you to one husband, Christ. But I want to present to you as a chaste virgin, with no corruption in the mind, with no corruption in the faith. These false teachers, if they succeeded to accuse me and you believed them, and then you start to stray away from the truth that I preached you, actually you will be corrupted in your mind and in your faith. Then I cannot present you as a chaste version to Christ. That's why I am full of jealousy. I am jealous with you, but not in a bad way, but I am jealous for you with godly jealous. So the reason behind defending himself, not on behalf of himself, but on behalf of Christ. And he betrothed them to Christ, the bridegroom, and they are the bride. And now he had fear in his heart, lest this bride may be led astray by the false teachers. And here in the Jewish tradition, marriage goes through three steps. The first step is engagement. Second step is betrothal. Third step is marriage itself or the wedding. Engagement is a promise to marry. Betrothal is like civil marriage. That's why he called the Christ here husband. It is a civil marriage, but not yet consummated. Civil marriage, but not yet consummated. But because it is civil marriage, the wife here, and I call her wife, although they are not yet physically one, but she is eligible for all the privileges of the wife. And then actually after the consummation of marriage, uh, that is the wedding, that is the third step. And by the way, St. Mary was betrothed to St. Joseph. That's why when the angel said to Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, this word is correct because she was legally his wife, although they never lived together as husband and wife. This marriage was not consummated, but she was legally his wife, and she is eligible to all the privileges of the wife, the legal privilege of the wife. When the person hears about Christ and believes in Christ, that is the engagement. When you hear about Christ as if Christ is proposing to you, to accept him as your bride, as your bridegroom. And if you believed in Christ and you accepted him, this is actually the engagement. Then when you are baptized, 
and you die with Christ and rise again, and then you are confirmed by the holy oil, and you partake of the sacrament of the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, this is the betrothal. And now, because we are the wife of the son, we can call his father our father. And we can call God the Father, our Father who art in heaven. But before baptism, the person cannot call God our Father. Only after the betrothal. Then actually, when the person dies and goes to heaven in the second coming of Christ, this actually the actual consummation of the marriage. That's why we read, in the book of Revelation about the wedding and the supper of the wedding of the Lamb. And this will explain to us the verse, he who is born of God cannot sin. And many question and say, but we are children of God, yet we sin. So how St. John said in his letter, he who is born of God cannot sin. Yes, the, the full adoption will happen after the wedding in the second coming of Christ. But now we are only betrothed to him. But when we become fully adopted, when the wedding happens, when the consummation, when the full union with Christ happened in his second coming, then we become fully adopted by God the Father. And here only we cannot sin. That's why in Romans, St. Paul said, we are eagerly waiting for adoption. And he explained the adoption here, the redemption of our bodies. And the redemption of our bodies in the second coming of Christ. So yes, now we are betrothed and we consider legally his children, the children of the Father. But we will be fully children in the second coming of Christ when our bodies are redeemed and with the full adoption we cannot sin. As St. John said, he who is born of the Father cannot sin. So St. Paul told them, I am defending myself and I will act foolishly by defending myself, not for my own sake but in order to present you as a chaste bride to Christ, with no corruption of faith, with no corruption of mind, if you follow the false teachers, they will corrupt your mind. And he gives them evidence from the Bible, from the story of Eve in verse 3. But I fear, lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve, by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. He told them, go to our mother Eve and see how the serpent was able to deceive her and to corrupt her mind by the craftiness of the Satan. In the same way, I am afraid that your mind be corrupted 
from your simplicity in Christ. The power of Satan lies in his ability to deceive. And if Satan lost the ability to deceive, he will be powerless. And Satan used craftiness in order to deceive. So St. Paul telling them, as our mother Eve was seduced by the serpent, so I am afraid that you will be led away by the false teachers. And the word simplicity in Christ, he meant by simplicity, your single-minded devotion to Christ. So you believed in him, accepted him, devoted your life to him, followed him, consecrated yourself to him in a simple way. But now this false teacher will corrupt your mind. But maybe somebody will argue and say, what is the relationship between the servant and the false teacher, between Satan and the false teacher. St. Paul will explain that they are his servants. They are the servants of Satan. So as Satan is able to deceive, then actually his servants, the servants of Satan, also able to deceive. Verse 4. For if we have come preached Sorry, for if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. He, in this verse, for if he who comes, he refers to the false teachers. So St. Paul is saying, if the false teachers came preaching another Jesus, or preaching another gospel, or giving you another spirit than the Holy Spirit that you received from us, maybe it makes sense that you will listen to them. But actually, they are not preaching a new Jesus or giving you a new spirit or a new gospel. It is the same Jesus, it is the same spirit, it's the same gospel, but in a corrupted way. They corrupt the teaching. These false teachers, we call them the Judaizers. What do I mean by the Judaizers? The Judaizers are false teachers from Jewish background who were teaching unless you became Jewish and follow and keep the law, you cannot be saved. So they are defiling the pure teaching of Christ. They are corrupting the pure teaching of Christ. And some scholars think that St. Paul used sarcasm in this verse. And he told them, the Judaizers perverted the gospel. So actually, it may look like another gospel, but in reality, it is not another gospel. 
It's not another Jesus. It is not another uh, spirit. But it is a perverted form. And uh, they perverted the gospel. In the same time, they discredit me. In order not to follow me and to follow the teaching that I gave you, what would be the result? You will follow the false teachers, then I cannot present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Verse 5. For I consider that I am not at all inferior to most eminent apostles. And again, St. Paul is using sarcasm in this verse. These false teachers were describing themselves as the eminent apostles, the eminent servants. So St. Paul told them, I am not behind these preeminent who claim to be apostles. Of course, they are not apostles. They are not true apostles. They claimed that they are apostles of Christ, and also they claimed that they are eminent. And St. Paul told them, if I will compare myself with them, you will see that I am not at all inferior to them. No, actually, I am better than them, as I will explain. Verse 6. Even though I am not, even though I am untrained in speech, yet I am not in knowledge, but we have been thoroughly manifested among you in all things. St. Paul was very conscious that he is speaking to the Greeks. Corinth is a city in Greece. And Greece was known with the supremacy of speech, excellence of speech. You know, at that time, all the philosophers came from Greek, right? Socrates, uh, Aristotle, Plato, the Greek philosophers. So St. Paul told them, I know myself. I am untrained in speech. I cannot use the excellence of speech like the Greek philosophers. But I am not untrained in knowledge. I have the knowledge of Christ. And I have the knowledge of truth. And this knowledge actually was thoroughly manifested among you in all things. Maybe I don't have the expression of the Greek philosophers, but I'm not lacking in the divine knowledge. And this knowledge is, had been manifested among you. Verse 7. Did I commit sin in humbling myself that you might be exalted because I preached the gospel of God to you free of a charge. As I told you the argument here, he refused to take any financial support from them. And the false teacher said, he refused your gift. He refused your financial support because he does not love you. He took from other churches, but he did not take from you. This means he does not love you. So St. Paul is 
making a question here. Did I commit sin in humbling myself? Being humble among you and I preached the gospel of Christ free of charge? And why I humbled myself? So that you, you will be exalted when you believe in Christ and I made your faith easy without putting any burden in you or without asking you for any financial support. So you just believe in Christ. By making this easy on you in order to be exalted by believing in Christ, did I commit a sin? Because I preached the gospel of, of God to you free of a charge. Actually, when he was there, he supported himself by his own labor. He worked by hand in order to support himself, as we read in Acts chapter 18 and verse 3. But these false apostles seem to have charged that he did not charge money from them, which St. Paul did not dare to ask for support. And they told them, we love you more than St. Paul, that's why you accept money from you, but they did not accept money from you. And when he told them that you may be exalted, exalted by believing in Christ, when he preached the gospel to them, and they believe in Christ. Verse 8, I wrapped other churches, taking wages from them to minister to you. Definitely St. Paul needed financial support. So how was he able to preach to Corinth free of charge without getting any financial support from them? He was supported by other churches. Other churches sustained him when he came to Corinth. That's why St. Paul told them, I robbed other churches, taking wages from them in order to minister to you free of charge. And this seems to have been like the usual custom. Uh, we read in, in, in Philippi chapter 4, verse 16, that the church at Philippi aided St. Paul more than once while he was preaching in Thessalonica. And the churches of Macedonia aided him when he was at Corinth. So he got support from other churches while he was preaching. At one time, the support did not arrive on time and he needed money. So he didn't have money coming from other churches in the same time, he did not charge Corinth for any money. What did he do? Verse 9. And when I was present with you and in need, I was a burden to no one. For what I lacked, the brethren who came from Macedonia supplied. And in everything, I kept myself from being burdensome to you. And so I will keep myself. When his supplies fell short, he worked as a tent maker. As we read in Acts chapter 18, verse 3. He worked by his own hands as a tent maker to support himself until Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia with supplies. And 
the word brethren in verse 9 it's about Silas and Timothy when he told them I, what I lacked the brethren Silas and Timothy who came from Macedonia supplied so St. Paul is telling them even when I needed money I did not became burden on any of you but I worked by my hand to support myself and I waited until Silas and Timothy brought supplies from Macedonia and in everything I kept myself from being burdensome to you and so I will keep myself I am determined to do the same I will not change even after the accusation I will not change. I will continue to preach the gospel free of charge to you. Verse 10. As the truth of Christ is in me, no one shall stop me from this boasting in the region of Achaia. He told them, I am saying the truth in Christ. I am I'm not lying to you. And no one, this false teacher, will never be able to stop me from this boasting that I preached the, the gospel free of a charge to you in Achaia. So as I have done, so I will do also. And this boast will continue uh, in preaching the gospel freely in Achaia. Now, he has to give them a reason. Why? Why all of this? Verse 11. Is, is answering the question why he refused to take any financial support from this church specifically he told them why because I do not love you God knows they tell you that I didn't take any money from you because I do not love you does this make sense to you only God knows the truth God knows how much I love you as he said in, in, in the following chapter, when I love you more, you love me less. The more he loved them, the less they loved him. So he's telling them, do I refuse to receive anything of you because I do not love you? I'm not waiting for this false teacher to tell you whether I love you or not. God knows that, is, that this is not the case. What is the reason? Verse 12. But what I do, I will also continue to do that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things of which they boast. The false teachers took advantage from the Corinthians. And they burdened them with many, many financial demands and monetary demands. And they were actually justifying this because they were the apostles of Christ. And that is, uh, they love them. That's why they don't feel embarrassed to take money from them. And St. Paul knew that these false teachers were burdening them with their financial demands. That's why St. Paul insisted not to take money 
to tell them that the apostle actually should not burden his children. The real father not burden his children. And if he started to take money, he will give opportunity to the false teachers to continue taking money from them and burdening them more and more with money. That's why he told them, what I do, I will also continue to do. I will continue not to receive any money from you. Why? That I may cut off the opportunity. I don't want to give any opportunity to false teachers to say, St. Paul takes money, we also take money. So we are equal. So I may cut off the opportunity from those, the false teachers, who desire an opportunity. They are waiting for opportunity to be regarded just as we are. To say, we as, as St. Paul receives money, we receive money from you. To be regarded just as we are in the things of which they boast. They boast that they love them. That's why they receive money. But in reality, as St. Paul will explain in the following verse, they burdened them. They took advantage of them. They took advantage of them. So, St. Paul told them, I did that in order not to give excuse to these false teachers to ask the church for support. And he would force them, by his example, to be found even as they, to maintain themselves. So, by continuing not to receive money, finally they will be ashamed and they will stop receiving money and becoming burden on the church at Corinth. Verse um, 13. For such are false apostles. They consider themselves eminent apostles, but in reality they are false apostles. They are, such are false apostles, deceitful workers. As Satan deceives people, his workers also are deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. They are false teachers, but they come to you and telling you, we are the apostles of Christ. Verse 14, and no wonder. Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. So, if Satan can take the shape of an angel of light, and Satan deceives by coming in a false appearance, it's not strange that uh, his followers or his workers or his servants also will present themselves as servants of righteousness, as the apostles of Christ. Verse 15, Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers, his referring to Satan, also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. So they deceive you, deceive you by presenting themselves as ministers of righteousness. But God actually will punish them 
according to their works in the last day. Uh, and actually, the, the most difficult thing or the sorest wounds of the church, not which come from outside, but actually which come from the disciples of Satan from within. For example, the persecution of Diocletianus, Diocletian, did not divide the church. But Arius, Nestorius, who were actually inside the church and within the church, were able to divide the church. So we have to be very, very careful from those who are within, but they are false. Those who claim to be ministers of Christ, but they are not preaching the truth. They pervert the gospel of Christ and deceive many, many people by their deception. They present themselves like ministers of righteousness, but in reality, they are false apostles, deceitful workers. And in the end of the day, in the second coming of Christ, actually they will be dealt with according to their works, not according to their pretensions, not according to what they pretended to be, but according to their works. So they will be punished and their falsehood will be publicly revealed in the second coming of Christ. Verse 16, St. Paul started reluctantly to boast, and he knows he should not do this, but he felt compelled. He knows that it is foolishness to boast and to commend oneself, but yet he felt compelled in order actually to protect them. Verse 16, I say again, let no one think me a fool. Don't think that I am a foolish person because I am boasting. I know very well I should not boast. So please don't think that I am a foolish person. If otherwise, at least receive me as a fool. But maybe somebody will not accept this. Okay, accept me as a foolish person. That I also may boast a little. If you want to accept me and to say I'm foolish, I will let this go. I will accept that you call me foolish person in order to boast a little. So I defend your faith and present you as a chaste version to Christ. So even though he should boast, let no one regard me as foolish because I am compelled by the criticism of the false teachers. But whether you regarded me as foolish or wise, just listen to me. Listen to what I am about to say. Verse 17. What I speak, I speak not according to the Lord, but as it were foolishly in this confidence of boasting. St. Paul is saying, I know very well the boasting that I am about to do is not according to the Lord. 
is not consistent with Christian humility. It's not consistent with humbleness. I know this very well. But I just listen to me. And the purpose of this is to protect your faith. But as it were foolishly, I know it is foolishness, in this confidence of boasting, just listen to me. And why St. Paul said here, it is not according to the Lord. If St. Paul did not say this verse, maybe in following generation, people would start to boast and taking St. Paul as an example. So this verse actually guards against his boasting being made a justification of boasting in general. And I come, I boast for you with my achievement, and I say St. Paul did so. But St. Paul is saying, no, this is wrong. This is not according to the Lord. This is not consistent with the Christian virtue of humility. But I am compelled to do this for your own sake and because I, I am jealous for you with godly jealous. Verse 18. Seeing that many boast according to the flesh, I also will boast. According to the flesh means heritage. We are the children of Abraham. We are from the chosen people of God. We have the temple. We have the law. We have the Ten Commandments. So, according to the flesh, boasting of external and secular things. And St. Paul told them, if they are boasting according to the flesh, I will also boast according to the flesh. Because I am equal to them. I'm not inferior to this false teacher in anything. I have the same privilege like they. Verse 19. For you put up with fools gladly, since you yourselves are wise. Corinth in Greece, as I, I told you, were known by philosophy and wisdom. And they took pride as wise people that they put up gladly with the foolish people. They know how to deal with the foolish people. The wise person knows how to deal with foolish people. So St. Paul actually, again, in a tone of sarcasm, he's telling them, you put up with fools gladly because you are wise. So now listen to me. Even if I am foolish in your eyes, listen to me. Put up with me. Bear with me a little, because that's your pride that you put up with the fools gladly. You are so wise that you can bear with the fully, and part of their wisdom was to tolerate the fools gladly. Verse uh, 20. For you put up with it if one brings you into bondage. Now St. Paul explains how the false teachers took advantage of them. And he told them, you did not only put up with the fools, but you allowed them, you allowed the false teachers to take advantage of you. So if you allowed them to take advantage of you, just bear with me a little until I finish boasting. Even if you consider this foolishness, bear with me, listen to me. 
because I want to deliver you from the deception of these false teachers. For you put up with it if one brings you into bondage. Which bondage? Because the Judaizers want to bring them to the bondage of the law. Christ has set us free from the bondage of the law. But again, they want to bring them back into the bondage of the law. If one devours you, as I told you, the false teachers burden them with financial demands. They devour their property by their greed of gain, for gain, and they accepted this gladly. If one brings you into bondage, if one devours you, if one takes from you, and again, they took from them uh, their belonging by craftiness and by cunning snares. If one exalts himself, and actually they exalted themselves at your expense, they put you down in order to exalt themselves. How they exalt themselves when they claimed to be the preeminent apostles of Christ. Not only that, if one strikes you on the face, St. Paul actually is referring here to a serious uh, abuse. They did not only devoured them, led them to bondage, took by cunning craftiness from them and exalted themselves at their expense, but also they physically abused them and they slapped them on face if one strikes you on the face. So St. Paul told them, if you accepted all this gladly and you are defending them, these false teachers, again, Put up with me, bear a little with me until I finish boasting. Verse 21. To our shame, I say that we were too weak for that. But in whatever anyone is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. One accusation that St. Paul referred to in the previous chapters, they said, St. Paul in his letters is very strong and very bold. But when he comes and present among you, he is very weak. He does not discipline. He does not take any uh, harsh action with you. So he is weak. That is their accusation of St. Paul. So St. Paul told them, to our shame, in your eyes, we were too weak. Our gentleness, you perceived it as we are weak because we did not abuse you like these false teachers and you considered them strong because they abused you, but we, the gentle, you considered us weak. And this became shame, became accusation against us. To our shame, I say that we were too weak for that. But in whatever anyone is bold, now I will compare myself and you will see that I am also bold as them. But again, I cannot forget that this is foolishness. I speak foolishly. 
when I, I, I am bold or I am boasting, I cannot forget it is foolishness to do this. So it is our shame in your eyes. We did not exercise power over you, but were gentle. These false teachers accused me that my presence was weak. Uh, instead, actually, I suffered among you. Instead of being exercised power over you, I suffered as I, I, I explained. But because they, they boast and they are bold, I am also bold. And I will explain to you in detail how I am equal and maybe better than these false teachers. From verse 22, St. Paul starts to explain, uh, to start uh, boasting. Verse 22. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. He started first by the physical boasting. As I told you, physically, they were boasting, they are Hebrews, they are Israelites, they are the seed of Abraham. But St. Paul told them, I am also a pure Hebrew. I am the seed of Jacob, so I am Israelite, and I am heir to all the promises of, to Israel. And also, I am not only from the fleshly seed of Abraham, but also the spiritual seed of Abraham because I have the faith of Abraham. So, when we speak about the physical boasting, I am equal. I am not inferior. Let us come to my service as a minister of Christ. Verse 23. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. And here, when he said, I am more, I am better than them, as ministers of Christ, again he said, as a fool. I, I should not say this, but I will tell you, I will prove this by facts. I am not only a minister of Christ, but actually I am a preeminent sufferer for Christ. And to show how much he exceeded them, he gave accounts of his suffering. And St. Paul repeated several times, this is foolishness to commend himself. He said, in labors more abundant, in labors more abundant. Actually, if you read the book of Acts and the three missionary trips of St. Paul, you can know how St. Paul actually is more abundant than any other servant in his labors. In stripes above measure. Actually, in verse 24 and verse 25, he will explain that five times he received 40 stripes minus one. So, actually, he received stripes five times. Who else? was received stripes five times like St. Paul. So in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, 
Saint Clement at the end of the first century said in his letter to the Corinthian that Saint Paul was imprisoned seven times. Seven times. Only one imprisonment was mentioned in Acts chapter 16, verse 24. But there are six other imprisonment. We didn't know about them. In death often, what does it mean in death often? St. Paul is saying, I was exposed to death or suffering pain equal to death or in danger of death several times. Several times. Verse 24. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. According to the law, Deuteronomy verse 25, chapter 25, verse 3, the Jews were not allowed to exceed this number. So they used to stripe 39. And actually they used the same with the Lord Jesus Christ. So St. Paul actually took the maximum, the maximum number allowed by the law, 39. How many times? Five times. Five times he received uh, stripes, 39 stripes. Verse 25. Three times I was beaten with rods. Uh, this was the Roman scourging. Only one time was recorded in Acts chapter 16, verse 23. But th there are actually two other times were not mentioned in the book of Acts. Three times he was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. You can read this story in Acts 14, verse 19. Acts 14, verse, Acts 14, verse 19, the stoning of St. Paul. Three times I was shipwrecked. When St. Paul wrote this letter, there was no account is given of these three times of shipwreck. Maybe somebody will tell me, but there is an account in Acts chapter 27 when he was traveling to Italy. But this shipwreck happened after he wrote this letter. So I can add, I say four times, not only three times. If we added the one on the trip to Italy in Acts chapter 27, then actually only four, we know them, maybe there are more. But he said three times I was shipwrecked. So this happened before the one happened in his trip to Italy. A night and a day I have been in the deep. Deep means the depth of water, either in an open boat or on a driftwood after a shipwreck. He spent night and day in water, in the depth of water, in the middle of the ocean or the middle of the sea after shipwreck. Verse 26. In journeys often, uh, several countries and kingdom uh, St. Paul visited to preach the gospel. And we have the record of the three missionary trips in, in, uh, in the book of Acts. And at the time, there was no airplanes, there was no cars, there was no any of this uh, method of traveling or transportation that we are using right now. 
But St. Paul actually traveled and visited many countries and many kingdoms to preach the gospel. In pearls of waters, by the flood being out, which made it very dangerous traveling. So maybe he is in the middle of the sea or the ocean, and then storm or flood. So that's why he said, in pearls of waters. In pearls of rubbers, of course, in his travels, he was often exposed to the danger that robbers and thieves may uh, attack him. In pearls of my own countrymen, my own countrymen referring to the Jews. So the Jews who constantly persecuted him, constantly persecuted St. Paul. In pearls of the Gentiles, also uh, the Romans persecuted St. Paul. So here he uh, suffered from the Gentiles and they beat him with rods and the Jews actually uh, many times persecuted and stoned him. Uh, in pearls in the city. In the city means while he was in the middle of the city, not in the desert, not in the wilderness. And just, I have some account how he was exposed to danger in Damascus, Acts chapter 9, in Jerusalem, Acts chapter 21, in Antioch, Pisidia, Acts chapter 13, in Lystra, Acts chapter 14, in Philippi, Acts chapter 16, Corinth, Acts chapter 18. So many times he was exposed to danger while he was in the city. In the wilderness, in pearls in the wilderness, while he was traveling, has to travel through wilderness, through desert. And in the desert, in the wilderness, he was exposed to danger by robbers, wild beasts, hunger and thirst, want, sands, storm. In pearls in the sea, like shipwreck, like pirates, the ill use, usage of mariners, the want of provisions while he was traveling in the sea. In pearls among false brethren, false brethren like the false teachers, the Judaizers, who were always accusing him. So St. Paul started to list all the suffering that he endured for Christ. Verse 27, in weariness and toil, often weary and in pain, of course exhausted. St. Paul was not young, he was old in age. Besides, he has some diseases in his eyes. He cannot see well. That's why he needed somebody to lead him. And in writing, he needed somebody to write his letters. So it was not easy for him. So he was weary and uh, uh, suffered from toil all the time in pain. In sleeplessness often, uh, actually, all these verses show how St. Paul suffered self-denial. He compromised his own rest. He compromised his own uh, body in order to preach the gospel. How actually he suffered loss in order to be, preach Christ. Sleeplessness. Maybe he spent the night reading, preaching, praying, working by hand. So he preached in the morning in the synagogue and at night work as a tent maker in order to support himself. 
in sleeplessness of often, in hunger thirst, in fasting often, cold and nakedness. Hunger and thirst, it is involuntary, like in, in the middle of the sea, they don't have provision, so he has to be hungry and thirsty. Fasting, actually that is voluntarily, it depriving himself from food, maybe for prayer, disciplining his body, fasting for his people. So he was often in want, hunger, thirst, nakedness, and cold. Definitely during all this travel, maybe his clothes uh, were torn. So he, he traveled in cold, he didn't have enough uh, clothes to cover himself, and, and he was uh, suffered from nakedness and cold. Verse 28, beside the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. So, St. Paul is telling them all this suffering. Why I endured all this suffering? Is it because I do not love you? Why I endured all these pearls? What is the reason? Because only the conviction and love could me uh, have led me to this sacrifice, to, 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 to accept all the suffering for Christ's sake and for your own sake. And this suffering and labor is not everything. You need to add to it the constant care for all the churches. So this, all this physical suffering and labors is not everything that I suffer. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, every day comes with new responsibility. My deep concern for all the churches. When I hear there is a problem in one church, there is a division in another church, I feel torn from within and I do my best in order to help these people. Verse 29, who is weak and I am not weak? I don't care only about the churches, but I care about individuals. If I hear that somebody is weak in his faith, I feel it is me who is weak, and I cannot have rest until I deliver him, I rescue him. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to stumble and I don't burn with indignation? These false teachers who are putting the stumbling blocks before you and stumble you, now actually I am burning from within with this godly fire, with indignation, with this godly anger. I sympathize with the churches and with the people. Uh, and if anybody suffers, I suffer also with him. If anybody is offended or stumbled, actually I feel the same pain as if there is fire burning my heart from within. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to stumble and I do not burn with indignation? Verse 30, if I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity. St. Paul said, I am sorry that I, I said all these things. I shouldn't boast with my achievement. I shouldn't boast with my virtues. I shouldn't boast 
with uh, my endurance of all these sufferings, I should boast with my weakness rather than my strength. That's why I will mention to you incident in which I was weak and I couldn't endure for Christ. The God of and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I'm not lying. Maybe somebody will say, is it really St. Paul endured all this suffering? Maybe he is just uh, lying. He's not saying the truth. So St. Paul actually is taking God as a witness. Because after giving all this astonishing catalog of suffering, he said, God knows that every word is true. I am not lying. God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. And here we need to, to learn uh, from St. Paul. Wherever he mentioned God, he says glory to him, who is blessed forever. Not like other Christians who say Jesus went, Jesus came, you know. He, see here, St. Paul said, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. Now he's giving the example of his infirmity and his weakness. He said in Damascus, the governor under Aretas, the king, was guarding the city of the Damascenes with a garrison, desiring to arrest me. So, uh, this story happened after St. Paul accepted Christ. You know, Christ appeared to him on the road to Damascus. So when he arrived at Damascus, at the same time, uh, the governor wanted to arrest him. And St. Paul actually wanted to tell them, from day one in Christ, I suffered. From the first day in my faith, I suffered. Aretas the king, Aretas the king, was the king of Petra, and also was father-in-law of Herod and Tipas. And Damascus was usually under Roman rule. But Aretas engaged in a war with Herod because he sent off his daughter and took Herodias for a wife. So because of this, Aretas made a war with Herod. And maybe during this time, he defeated Herod and became involved with the Romans. That's why they added Damascus to be under his rule. So in this war, Damascus fell into the hand of Aretas. And he appointed a governor. And uh, as he said in Damascus, the governor, this governor who was under Aretas the king, was guarding the city of the Damascenes with a garrison, which means there was a war at that time. That's why he was guarding the city. This governor desired to arrest him, desired to arrest St. Paul. So the Jews, who were very strong in Damascus, actually asked the governor to try to see St. Paul when they heard that he became Christian. But St. Paul here 
did not actually surrender himself, but he escaped. And he considered this as weakness. That's why he told them, you know what? I should boast in my weakness. I'm telling you that I escaped. I did not allow the governor to arrest me. So after I mentioned to you all this list of suffering, I want to show you that I am also weak and at this incident, actually, I escaped. He, he told them in verse 30, uh, 33, but I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from his hands. Uh, at the time, they used to build houses against the wall of the city. And there was windows in this wall outside the city. So when the governor wanted to arrest St. Paul, actually they let St. Paul down in a basket through a window in the wall uh, and, and he escaped from this governor. And maybe St. Paul did not find any other incident of his weakness. That's why he only mentioned one incident of his weakness. But he was so faithful as he mentioned all his strengths. He mentioned also his weakness. And I said, I know better. I should not boast in my strengths, but I should boast in weakness. Actually, every time we read this chapter, the words are short to express the greatness of St. Paul. All what he suffered. We, the servants, we feel embarrassed if we compare ourselves to St. Paul. What did we do as he did? There is no comparison. Nobody can say, I suffered like St. Paul. So when we, we feel tired or we feel we, we are persecuted or there are pain or suffering in service, go and read this chapter and you know what suffering for Christ really means. May his prayers and intercession be with all of us so we may learn how to sacrifice ourselves and how to deny ourselves for the sake of Christ. Glory be to God forever and ever in it.